Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the hockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody, and thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Leaf Sky, Episode 14, Season 2. Jim Taddy with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and Sirius XM NHL Network Radio is our guest today. But first, consider this. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds at any wildcard team to win their game. So do the math here. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets. 5 times 56, 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your area, you can still do something with this wildcard weekend. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the call to action. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Guy, guy, what is it? THPN. Get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 to win 280 in free bets if your team wins. The promo code is, guy, what is it? THPN. This wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook is where you want to cash in, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. So, where are we with the Leafs? Road trip almost done. The opener last Thursday in Montreal was postponed, but since then, Saturday in Colorado, 5-4 overtime loss, blow a 4-1 lead, but look pretty good. Tuesday in Vegas, win 4-3 in a shootout, blow a 3-1 lead, but rally. They look pretty good in that game. And Wednesday in Arizona, they lose 2-1. Coyote's goaltender was really razor sharp, but the Leafs couldn't solve him, and it ends Saturday night in St. Louis. The reason I point out all these games they've played is it's the first regular week they've had since mid-December when all the postponements started to hit and COVID went right through. Certainly the Canadian teams, I know a lot of American teams were hit too, but the Canadian teams got shut down uh, for basically three weeks. So this is... Uh, I think you'll agree, a, a restart, and, and I like where they're going. Not too much to analyze here because it's early stages, but there are some things we're going to talk about. And we will get pointed in the discussion with Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio. Let's listen to that conversation. 
Okay, Dave, so a road trip that with mixed results, but, but I, I sort of look at this road trip as um, one that establishes rhythm because they've just been out of sync for so long with the games. You know, I, I don't really don't really want to overanalyze things here. Where are you on this? No, I think that's a good way of looking at it. It, it honestly, to me, it kind of seems like the beginning of a regular season again, quite honestly, where, like you said, you're just looking for that rhythm and you're trying to find – some consistency in your game uh, after being shut down for essentially three weeks. Uh, we remember how this regular season started for the Maple Leafs. The first seven or eight games, they were eh, kind of up and down, certainly nothing to write home about. And at times um, moderately concerning. And I think that's the way you could describe this, this road trip. Uh, they looked good in that game against Colorado. My word, they were up three, nothing and four to one. Uh, Generally, you win that game, except if you're the Maple Leafs and they're up 4-1 to one at any time, it becomes concerning. But uh, all jokes aside, the point is they should have won that game, but they still found a way to get a point out of it. Okay, fine. Um, Vegas the next night or a few nights later, they, they, again, were in control of that game, and I thought we were looking good and uh, moderately concerning that they, they let it get away. But they were able to scrounge two points out of it with a shootout. And William Nylander looked really good that day, I thought. So um, that, was, that was encouraging. And, you know, yesterday, without, without Carl Zemelka, the Leafs probably win that game. He was, he was unbelievable. Uh, but let's not kid ourselves here. Toronto dominated that game from start to finish. So um, the results necessarily haven't been there. But if Zemelka doesn't go go you know all world and the Leafs don't give up a three nothing or four to one lead well they've got six points out of six points in the road trip and then suddenly we're having a different conversation yeah I just you know I again don't want to overanalyze I just thought that in the Wednesday night game um, they they controlled everything and were getting the shots they didn't see an adjustment to try and make sure the goaltender didn't see what was coming his way they they sort of played into a great goaltending performance and if this was a playoff game I, I think it's probably too early to start that kind of analysis but you know you you go back to if this was a playoff game clearly the goalie's on so you have to block his view and I didn't see much that way but again it is what it is it's it's you know a road trip, a reset, and I totally agree with what you're saying. It's like the season restarted, and, and hopefully it doesn't get interrupted again. Well, that's that's certainly the hope, and in Toronto's case, by and large, the bulk of the guys have been through it already, so um, they shouldn't really have an issue on their standpoint unless they run into an issue from an opponent. Uh, but, but for real, hopefully we are sort of through whatever the heck happened there in December, which I think caught a lot of people off guard the way things were humming along in October and November and into early December. It was almost a little bit of a, a tease to, to old timey life, right? Everything seemed like it was going pretty good. And then this kind of came out of nowhere. So um, yeah, if, if, if the Leafs are through it, I think it's now about reestablishing the consistency that they have found in their game through the better part of, 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 of November and into December. And if they can do that, uh, they've been playing pretty well. I still have some questions about this team. Let's let's not kid ourselves here, but um, I'd rather have a team where you've got a couple of questions uh, and is playing well than a team that you think should be better and just cannot seem to get up and running. 
Okay, well, let's go down that road because Saturday in St. Louis, uh, assuming that Marner and Engvall are back and they're supposed to be, uh, this will be the first time the Leafs have been totally healthy all year. So uh, I kind of like where the forwards are. I think there's uh, some adjustment that still has to happen on the blue line. and Peter Morazic has to emerge at some point with, with games being played. But what are your concerns? Well, my concerns uh, begin on the, the the blue line, the second deep pairing with Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall, who have not been very good really at all uh, at any point this year. Um, I have concerns about, again, how this team will defend over the course of a seven-game series, uh, especially if, if those two guys continue to play at the level they have been this year, which is not, not nearly good enough. So... Um, that's where my biggest question lies. Um, I think we've seen enough now almost through half the season, coming in on half the season now, uh, to give Kyle Dubas pause enough for concern to say, okay, this may not be a blip, but this may just be how these guys are playing this year, um, They they that they need to go out and upgrade personnel. Now, easier said than done, obviously, but um, you look at some other teams around the league and the caliber of their blue line, uh, certainly, you look, need look no further than Tampa Bay, right? With and obviously they're the gold standard, but ultimately those are the those are the types of teams you're gonna have to beat if you want to get to where you want to go. Um, I I don't see this team being able to defend well enough, so I think they need to do some uh, some assessment of the blue line and and seriously consider if they can find somebody. Um, a guy that can play on a, on a pairing with, with Jake Muzzin. Because let's be honest, Jake Muzzin's the guy they're committed to, right, Jim? He's got yeah. years left on his deal and big money. If you're going to upgrade there, it's probably going to be Justin Hall. Um, can you find a guy to, to play well, stabilize Jake Muzzin, and just defend effectively? You don't need a guy that generates offense at all. Um, Morgan Riley's got that taken care of. And when you put that pairing on the ice, Muzzin and whomever it might be, uh, you're, you're interested in defense, really. Uh, that's all. That's all the focus is. So, can you find that guy to help upgrade that pairing? I think that's something that really, really needs to be focused on. Okay, so let's zero in on, on that issue because I totally agree with you. I think that uh, when we're doing analysis, pretty well from here to the end of the season, we're doing it uh, assuming that it's in a playoff series, the best four to seven. That that little box that that can be a problem because teams start to chip away at things in the first game and with hopes of by game seven, it succeeds. And and I think that I I would agree with you that that second pairing is something that a team would go to work on. Um, So here's my my theory on it is I I think the pairing isn't fast enough. And and I mean that in every sense of the word. I like Jake Muzzin. I agree with the commitment to him. But on a turn, he's he's a little awkward on the turn. And Hall just doesn't seem to – I don't know how to describe what's happening to him. And the reason that I I, I zero in on the speed is because when you have Sandine and Lilligren there, they have that speed. They're not ready to advance up with the assignments that the second pairing has. That could be next year or the year after. But they do have that speed, and that speed also means adjusting to mistakes. Um, So that would be my assessment of it. Do you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, I do. But – uh, it doesn't solve the problem, right? I, no, I think no. Sandine and Lilligren have, have potential, but man, if you put them in in those type of assignments that they're that they're giving to, to Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall right now, um, that that means taking on a line that that could involve um, you know uh, uh, Steven Stamkos um, and Anthony Sorelli and Alex Kalorn if you end up playing Tampa. Uh, like good luck to you, right? Like that's not going to end well. 
right now. So, um, I, 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 but what it says is I, I like what I've seen by and large from the third pairing um, at, at times, especially Rasmus Sandin, who has shown an element of physicality. He had 10 hits the other night in Las Vegas, right? 10 hits, is, yeah. that, that's not a small number. So um, there's, there's been considerable growth there in his game, which has been really encouraging to see. I just don't think uh, he and whomever the partner, partner might be, whether it's Timothy Lilligren or or Travis Dermott's ready for those those type of minutes. Um, with with Muslin Hall, I agree. The speed, the foot speed, is not necessarily there. And I think what made them relatively successful last year, I think, was that Justin Hall played a really stable game, and he seemed by and large to know where he was supposed to be. And I think he's gotten away from that a little bit this year, Jim. And I'll tell you, every time I turn around, it seems like he's behind the opposing net, which is not where I need Justin Hall being if I'm the coach of this team right now. Um, I need him primarily worrying about his own end and, and, and more often than not erring on the side of conservatism, if you know what I mean. If you think there might be a play there that you could make that could generate a chance, but you hear what I said, might and could, don't do it. Right. Just, just, just sit back and, uh, and make sure you're not out of position. And I find at times um, he, he has been out of position. And, you know, to the point where, okay, he gets behind the net, puck's turned over, he gets on his horse, gets back, and, and you know, 80% of the time he, he tends to get back. But what happens is then I find the, the defensive zone assignments, it's, it's a little bit of a – sort of a, a jailbreak like someone set the chickens loose out of the coop and everybody's kind of running around they're there but they're not in strong positioning and then you get running around and you either take penalties um or or you make a mistake and then suddenly it's in the back of your net so i just think that pair is kind of lost its way a little bit and i'm not not sure why that is i'm sure the coaching staff is is being very clear um because my goodness they're in the movie often enough the next day uh, what needs to be changed, but it just doesn't seem to be uh, it just doesn't seem to be getting better. Yeah, I, I think you mentioned the key component, the coaching staff. So you'd like to know uh, what the coach expects out of you know each one of those guys, and if one guy isn't trying to compensate for the other guy, and, and we don't know about health, and there's there's some stuff here that that's missing from the equation that we don't know. But but I think that we agree it's an exploitable combo. Uh, the Hall situation. Is a, a bit of a mystery to me because he was, you know, he didn't play in a bunch of games this year, and and so that suggests a drop off in his game. And if you watch, you see, but but you don't understand, or we don't know exactly if there's a problem with Muzzin or not. I just think that that for whatever reason, uh, it, it's it's a big problem because if you moved Hall out, uh, who would who would you move back in? Like the, the replacement and the cost of it is is really tricky, and I don't, I don't know what the solution is, but I do know it's a problem. Well, from outside the organization, you mean, if you were to acquire somebody? Well, yeah, I mean, if you moved Hall out, I mean, it's it's, uh, it's always yeah. easy to say, move this guy out. Well, what what do you get for him, and who replaces him? Because, uh, you know, really he's there for a salary fit. And I just sometimes I, when I look at that pairing, I go, maybe it's uh, maybe it's past its due date. Maybe maybe they got what they, they wanted out of them, and, and it has to be, uh, you know, adjusted. And, and I, I apply that to both. I know it's a little harsh. I, I think maybe – Hall has to move on, and then he's you know he'll do a job somewhere else. Muzzin for me, long term projects as a five six guy. I don't I don't see him as a as a three four uh, much longer, and that may be a little harsh. What do you think of that? 
it may be harsh, but I don't think it's too far from the truth right now for being honest with ourselves and unless they can find a guy that can come in and really help to stabilize this game. And I think, I think Jake Musson would be helped with a guy who has a little bit more consistency in his game right now. And that's, that's not Justin Hall last year by and large, he was relatively consistent. We haven't seen that um, this year and, you know, at three years, well, I should say two years left after this one at 5.6 million. I mean, that's a, that's a big commitment. You're talking about, uh, Justin Hall being a tough contract to move. I don't think he will be. I'm not saying you do. People do in general say, well, what are you going to get for him? Well, the answer for Justin Hall is you're not going to get much for him. He'll likely be involved in a trade um, as, as a salary out component. You're also going to have to throw in something that's a lot more attractive, a younger prospect, um, a, high, a high first round pick, um, something along those lines. If you're going to get anybody back, that's going to help you. But um, the, the Jake Muzzin contract to me is one that could be, could be relatively difficult to move in the future if he continues on this path because it has not been very good. It's been a very sudden drop-off, to be honest with you. And again, I don't know if it's so much to do with him or it's to do with the inconsistency of his partner. That, to me, is sort of what you've got to get into the lab and determine if you're Kyle Dubas. But um, at this point, I think the only way you determine that is to bring in a new partner and see if that corrects itself. Because if you decide right now already that, that Jake Muzzin, um, his game has passed him by, I mean, what do you do with the next two years of, the, of that deal, especially for a team that's going to need every dollar it's sent yet again this offseason uh, to put a competitive team on the ice next year with guys that need raises, including um, the netminder, Jack Campbell? Yeah, it's it's a bit of a problem. Uh, I, I just think that that's, uh, you know, a lot of it is salary cap related because, you know, the, the tandem – is there part uh, part and part because of the salary cap and and you know they they need to get mileage out of Muzzin because of the salary commitment but uh, you know that's part of the equation the reality is quite different I, I just I think Jake Muzzin is a, is a really good hockey player but his his uh, you know his his ice time probably should be regressing in the next year or two the last two years of that contract and and that's unfortunate because the salary doesn't regress you know you're, you're stuck with no. that and and that's that's just the that's just the way it goes but. But I, but I think the original analysis of that the, those, that pairing, I think it has passed the expiry date, and I don't know how you fix that, but they're, they're going to have to address it somehow. Well, they are, because let's just be honest. If if that's the way they're going to play in the playoffs, um, good luck getting passed around. It's because look, look, look who the Leafs are going to end up playing, right? They're going to end up playing either Florida or Tampa, and if you play one of those teams, so oh, baby – um, and then if you should win the division, which, you know, we'll see. I'm not going to bet on that quite yet. Um, you end up playing likely the Boston Bruins or potentially the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, that, there's no slouch there, really, right, the way those teams have been playing. I think Boston's been coming on quite well in the last little while, winners of six of their last seven, three in a row. Got Tuka back in the fold. Like, this team is starting to come together, and I'm sure they'll tinker at the deadline as well. Um, the, these are certainly Tampa and Boston playoff savvy teams, certainly put Pittsburgh in that category as well. And, um, Florida, I mean, maybe they don't have a ton of experience right now, but they're just a damn good hockey team. So, um, and, and all teams that can really, really wear you down. And certainly in Pittsburgh, 
and and Tampa Bay and Florida's case uh, can really, really lay a licking on you offensively. So um, it concerns me because I don't think you can sort of wade your foot into the playoffs this year, uh, get an opponent in the first round that, okay, we'll sort of we'll, we'll get our footing against and then we'll uh, gain some confidence moving forward here. And it's, I mean, I don't think you're guaranteed to win a round by any stretch this year, given the opponents that they could face. Okay, so let's just take the names out of this. Uh, you know, and it is early to be doing this, but if you're looking at that Leafs blue line, your top pair, and you're you're very happy with your second pair, and you're concerned you've got a, a, an aging defenseman who doesn't quite turn the way you'd want him to on a rush, and you got another guy who's who's down the ice when he should be back a bit, and, and then you've got the third the, the the third pairing that you like. It's emerging. I really like Sandine and Lilligren together more than Sandine and Dermott because they're just really fast. They're not ready to move up. So, I mean, those are issues of concern in a playoff series. And as you say, you know, the, the first round could be, you know, one of the tougher rounds that they're going to play if they were to march through because cause it's either Florida or Tampa the way it could stack up. Uh, and, and these are things that, you know, the other teams in the, uh, on the whiteboard going to exploit that second pairing. So, uh, you know, it is a problem, isn't it? Well, it is. The, the, the good thing is, I mean, I, it's either, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but in the past, it's always, okay, they need to find a depth defenseman. They need to bring in a guy that's a, you know, a six or seven guy that can add some length that they need. Well, I, I think they've got the depth this year. They need to find um, a, a top four guy. So um, at least if you, if you go out and you get a guy like that, if you give something up, because generally speaking, the prices are, are, are high even for depth defensemen at the trade deadline. You're not getting a guy for, for nothing. You're giving up maybe a second-round pick for a depth guy. That's a second-round pick. Now, okay, if you give up uh, a first-round pick and, um, and a Justin Hall, can you get a guy that, well, at least he's going to be worth what you paid. You know what I mean? It's like this is an important role on the team that needs address addressing. Um, so you'll give something up, uh, but at least you're going to get legitimate minutes or not out of the guy, but it's not like you're giving something up and, and maybe you don't even have to use them. So that's sort of the way I look at it. Um, the, the question is who's out there. Like, I mean, poof, Jacob Chikrin in Arizona would be, would be ideal. And the nice thing with him is he's got some, uh, his, his salary is, is palatable right now at, at 4.6. Um, so that would be, uh, that would be good. The question is he would take a lot to acquire because Bill Armstrong and the Coyotes are not going to give him away uh, for nothing. Uh, ben Sherratt could be out there. He could be interesting. Uh, he may not take as much because he's a, an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Just looking at the term on uh, Chikrin's contract because uh, it escapes me off the top of my head. Uh, he's got four years left, or three years left after this one at 4.6. So, I mean, man, that would be ideal from a, a term standpoint, an age standpoint, a cost certainty standpoint, um, and maybe even potentially a guy that could elevate into Jake Muzzin's role, um, you know, as soon as this year, if not next year, and then allow you to rework the way your blue line looks. Um, he would be ideal, but he would cost you something to give up uh, to get. So, uh, it's not going to be easy, but I think it's very clear where they need attention. I don't think they need attention in goal. 
Um, I think Jack Campbell will be just fine. I think Peter Morazic will settle in and uh, be a guy that they can turn to uh, for games down the stretch. But I think clearly come playoff time, Jack's going to be your guy. Um, and, and I like the way the forwards have, have shaped up by and large. I think Elia Mikheyev has come, uh, come back and has elevated his game and has given you an element you didn't even realize you had with him. Um, to the point where I think Nick Ritchie now is probably on the outside looking in when they're all healthy down the left side with, with, with Bunting, with Kerfoot, with, uh, with Mikheyev and Engvall. So I think they're set there. I think centers have been, have been just fine. Obviously, the right side is, is in good shape. I don't really see much work that needs to be done. I see one area that really needs attention, and now it's up to, to Kyle see if he can find a way to, to do it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I was looking at their draft picks for this summer. They have the first and second round and the seventh round. They've traded three, four, five, and six. So they don't have much to work with that way. I mean, obviously, 23 and 24, they're loaded that way. But, you know, their options, their trade options that way are are, are limited. And, and I think probably, you know, when you when you talk about moving people in and out, there is a limitation based on the salary they can bring back and what they can move out to get that particular salary. I like what you said about the forwards. For me, the breaking stories are, are Bunting, Kashim, and Mikheyev. Mikheyev scoring and shooting the puck is, is a, a great development for me. With Kashim and Bunting playing uh, on the side of Matthews, certainly uh, in the last game, uh, you can appreciate that. I think one of the concerns going into the season was whoever they bring in to replace Hyman um, has to do a bunch of things, and one of them is think the same way the hockey yeah. way that Matthews does. And, and Cash and Bunting can both do that. And I, I think that's a, a, a noteworthy story. Yeah, and just uh, on what you were saying in terms of what they have in, in terms of capital in a trade, not much, but I think what we, what we hit on was that they don't have a lot that they need to go out and get either. So right. it kind of works that way as well. It's not like you got to address four areas, kind of like you did last year, where it would be good luck to you. I think they've got the pieces if they want. And I think this is a year where they should go for it. It's probably going to cost first-round pick. And, you know, you got to get out of the trend sometimes of trading those first-round picks, as Brian Burke told me uh, last week when I talked to him about Pittsburgh. But, man, this year you got to go for it if you're Toronto. But with the forwards, look, uh, I like Michael Bunning. I think he's been great this year. Um, and, and I think he's been a really, really good fit with Austin Matthews. Could you go out and, and address and bring in – you know, more of a brand name, maybe, but I don't think you need to. I think Bunting has done really, really well, um, exactly what they've wanted him to do. He's, he's, he's been getting to the net. Um, he, he's been strong along the boards. Uh, he, he's been creating some space for Matthews, finding him uh, the puck in areas where he likes the puck. I've, I've been thrilled with what I've seen out of Michael Bunting, uh, really from start to finish. I think he deserves a lot of credit. It's hard to believe he's still technically considered a rookie, uh, but he's been really good in my eyes. Um, he's, Andre, he, he's a great guy to watch in the building because you'll see him do all kinds of stuff away from the play that creates something. Mm-hmm. No, that's absolutely ah, – excuse me, I was taking a sip of coffee there. Um, you know, you're absolutely right. He, um, he does all of those things away from the puck that, that are so critical that, that some guys, quite frankly, are not interested in doing. Like, quite frankly, that Nick Ritchie did not do when he had the opportunity on the top line. Um, Bunting plays with an urgency in his game and an aggressiveness in his game uh, that really, really makes him effective in that role that they're asking to play. Uh, Cash, the same thing. I mean, the guy is like... Um, 
oh, he kind of reminds me of like a fighter pilot out there. He's all over the place. He puts himself, <laughs> yeah. he puts himself in harm's way all of the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's no wonder he gets hurt all the time. But you can't question the guy's um, commitment and, and determinedness and effort. Um, I, I love everything about the guy. I just, as we always say, at least I do, um, staying healthy is a skill as well. And I just hope he, he, he starts to learn where, where I can probably avoid putting myself in harm's way just to keep myself on the ice. Uh, but when he's on the ice, he's been really good. And that third line with, with Camp um, and Engvall, they've, they've given Sheldon Keith finally what he's been looking for really since he, he's taken over this team, um, a third line that he can assign uh, defensive minutes to and can win draws and can get the puck up the ice. They've done a really good job of that. So I've liked that third line. They fit perfectly into the role that they've been asked to play. Um, so, so really, you know, and then Mikheyev, this guy to me was always a guy who was really fast. He was an effective penalty killer because when you're killing penalties, um, all you got to do to be effective is get to the puck and bang it down the ice. It's an easier target to hit. Um, the length of the ice than it is the the four by six um, smaller target, but this year he's hitting that too uh, because he's shooting the puck, and I think he's he's skating with even more of a, an aggressiveness in his game. Like he's he's commanding the offensive zone, and he is to me when I watch him um, skating with not just a hope that I get to the front of the net. Uh, but uh, get the heck out of my way. I'm getting to the front of the net, and, and he's got the speed to do it and the size, quite frankly, as well, uh, and he's been really effective. And I, like I said, I think he's he's provided an element in his return that you didn't even think you had with him. So I think he's better than, than you were hoping for, and what you were hoping for was already pretty effective. So that's been really encouraging. Um, the, the forwards, to me, I just I don't see many holes. Sure, you could nitpick and tinker, but – um, I don't think you need to do an awful lot, quite frankly, um, if you're Kyle Dubas. I think you can afford to uh, concentrate all of your effort in, in terms of upgrading the team to the blue line right now. So, Dave, really what you're saying after 25 minutes is this team is one, one defenseman away. Uh, I mean, I'll put it this way. They're one defenseman away from making me happy with the group that they have going into the postseason. You never know if they're one defenseman away, and I think there are probably some intangibles away as well, like winning a round. There, there's something um, that I think plays into your psyche when you've won a round, when you go into the playoffs. Uh, you don't have to slay that demon, but they'll, they'll never slay that demon until they actually slay it. So um, we'll see. Uh, but they don't have the playoff acumen of a group like Tampa Bay. If if they go down uh, two games to one in a series, uh, will they have the mental fortitude to overcome that? We'll see. Tampa, much more confident that they would. Um, will they be able to defend well enough as a team? Like, do, Does the style that they play, will that be effective over a seven-game series? Um I, I still think there's uh, a bit of risk in their game that, that I don't see in some more playoff-savvy groups. Um, I'm not 
as as concerned about it as I was in years past, but it's still a question mark to me. But in terms of the personnel, if they could get one more top four defenseman, I I think that you can say Kyle Dubas will have done his job the best that he can, and then it's up to the personnel to see whether or not they can go out and win. Dave McCarthy, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right. Thank you, Mike Ross. Time now for our Yes Guy, No Guy exit. Yes Guy, No Guy number one. A healthy Leafs team is a very good hockey team, and that's an emphatic Yes Guy. Really like the parts in this team, especially up front, especially in goal. There are some things that we'll talk about on the blue line, and it's really only one area. They really have flexible and pliable forwards, and that's going to mean something when the playoffs come. So that's a yes guy. Yes guy, no guy number two. You are intrigued by Peter Morassic. Oh, yes guy. I mean, Jack Campbell has Vesna numbers. If you have a really good, solid veteran backup behind him, a guy who can actually push for the number one job, that's an embarrassment of riches. That is an emphatic yes guy. Yes guy, no guy number three. The second pairing on the least blue line. No guy, no guy. Very concerned there. I don't know what the fix is. Don't want to be too harsh with the criticism just as a tandem. It's got some weaknesses, and, and I just think that going into a playoff series, that has to be addressed somehow, and it's just an exploitable thing. I, I just It sort of sticks out. It's a red flag, so no guy there. And we'll end on this. Yes, guy, no guy, number four, the coaching staff. Oh, yes, guy. I think when the season started, coaching staff was under some fire, especially in the early stages with the power play. Some of the new assistants were under some fire, but clearly the coaching staff has done a very nice job, and we end on them with a yes, guy. Hope you enjoyed episode 14, season two of Leafs Guide. Hope you come back next week for episode number 15.